recorded live from the mats of radical MMA in New York City, the Martial Culture Podcast. Your source for in-depth combat sports and martial arts insights with, with Coach, Coach Renee Dreyfus and, and Matt Peters. Peters. Ring the bell and let's get, get it on. What up? Hey. people. <laughs> I'm trying out new stuff. Tell me if you like it or not. Renee, how are you? Uh, everything is great. How about you? I'm fantastic. Another beautiful Monday in Manhattan. A uh, great event over the weekend. Beautiful. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Fantastic event. We'll it get was, into that soon. It was unbelievable. And I'm, I'm conflicted about this last UFC. It was uh, 241. 241. And the headlining fight was Cormier and You're conflicted. I'm conflicted. What's wrong? I'm like, I'm like a vegetarian who likes meat. <laughs> <laughs> They're all like meat. They just don't admit it. <laughs> Actually, I had this funny thing. Right? Is the reason I said that is because there's a thing uh, called a conflicted burger. It's a it's a like a veggie patty and a, and a beef patty together. I had it. I'm like, this is actually really delicious. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Like one of those like morning star patties or something like that. No, it's it actually much like... better. It was yeah. uh, it was, uh, but yeah, it was a, that kind of idea. Yeah. But it was really well made and um, and it didn't taste grainy or anything. But it did have a kind of interesting consistency two together were pretty good but i guess it defeats the purpose <laughs> though <laughs> well, i had saved the, one cow i did you have the ever have the impossible i haven't but it, it sounds is really, really good. good it is it is excellent the, and uh, and Dunkin i do uh the impossible right and burger king is sand, doing it. sausage sandwich yeah and the burger king is doing it and i i haven't been to burger king, but there's a there's a, a a place right near my academy and i i i do try to cut down my red meat intake um meatless monday meat meat is that a thing meatless yeah, monday i think oh. beyonce started it <laughs> <laughs> I, I really no do idea. think she did. <laughs> well, um, she popularized it. Oh uh, well, that, that's great. But um, <laughs> but uh, and and you know, uh, for health reasons, a little less red meat is good. But also environmental reasons. Mm. Um, you know, obviously the uh, greenhouse emissions from uh, get off your soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> but it is delicious. Though. Yeah, yeah. It's good. So, so, so I went to this, this burger place around me, and and it's um, it's it's interesting because it tastes exactly like not exactly, but incredibly similar to a, a, mm-hmm. a, a burger. And uh, and the reason I did it is also I don't feel heavy afterwards. So in the afternoon, if I eat this, I can actually train. If I eat a burger, I have like an hour where I'm kind of like, you know, right. I have to sit on a chair and just be bloated. <laughs> and uh, and and but I eat this and I'm like, oh, it's 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 not a not a heavy meal for me at all. Let's do a blind taste test next week. I'll bring an impossible whopper. You should totally do that. We should totally do that. Burger, yeah. You know, we never did the PlayStation where the video game thing. We should do said, that too. We, we got so many things it. we should do. I know. I, I people... want to. I. You know what? That's the thing, Matt. If we play video games, you will destroy me. Yeah. Yeah. I. I am not. I do practice I'm, a lot. I. I have not played video games since I was a kid. This is complicated. This. Uh, the UFC three. On PlayStation, it's a complicated game. Like it's not just button mashing. You you can actually do like submissions and things. That's cool. Yeah. I, one of my students just told me there's a virtual reality place um, on Thirty Second Street, mm. and there's like a boxing one. But you put the goggles on, you fight a guy, and it looks like he's really in front of you. And I'm like, how realistic? He's like, he's like, it's not a really realistic like uh, fighting another person, but it's as close as he's ever felt. Mm. And and I'm like. I always thought this, like virtual reality would be a great training tool. It was one of the horrible things about striking, and this is I want to talk about the UFC, is that obviously you get brain damage. So in, in the fights, it's, it's, it's not as much brain trauma as training, but of course the, they can happen in, in, in fights as well. But, um, but in, in training, you just get hit over and over again. It's something in the academy we're very careful with. But imagine if you could put on virtual reality suit. And just spar with an invisible partner, and maybe you feel a little, just a little buzz, like yeah. you got tagged. They got to be close. Yeah, I, I think that'd be an the amazing. The military is doing it right now with the aliens at Area Fifty One. 
Well, the military's been doing it all the time with, uh, with you know, fight flight simulators. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, same that's thing. like the like, same thing. I don't know about aliens, but <laughs> flight simulators. Yeah. Are you going to be? Are you going to be hitting uh, Area Fifty One in that? Yeah, thing? I'm going out there next weekend. <laughs> Just catch up with some friends. Just meet me there. Meet me at the. Meet me at the the fence. There is no fence in Area 51. Did you know that? No. There's actually no fence. <laughs> They're just that confident. <laughs> There's mines in the in the ground, but no fence. Lasers. Come on. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, uh, UFC 241 was a slobber knocker. A lot it of decisions. Was... At least uh, a couple big decisions, but yeah. some uh, big knockouts as well. Unreal. And you know what? I was watching it, and I felt I felt conflicted like that burger. <laughs> uh, because of course I'm a fan of MMA as as it relates to developing my technique and things like that. But but watching people just get the pus beat out of them. Yeah, it didn't seem very technical. I mean, it was a night of sheer, unrelenting brutality. Mm-hmm. And and at some point I'm like, whoa, like, whew, you know, sometimes this is like like I know what happens when you get hit that hard. And I was like, whoa, this is just. Did you hear rough. Nate Diaz on the uh, no, what did he post say? fight? I mean, just the way he sounded. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's not like he got punched Did you see the picture that he posted? Uh, so, you know, a few years ago, Anthony Pettis was on the cover. A few years ago, it was a long time ago now, but he was on the cover of the Wheaties box. So, this Sunday morning, he was eating Wheaties with the box, and he has the box and he's eating oh, that's Wheaties. Funny. <laughs> because I was like, wow, that's, you know, in terms of trash talking, that is, <laughs> that is that's, the best. That's, that's eyebrow right he there. thought yeah. about that one. Yeah, he yeah. probably went look for that box a long time. <laughs> He had it. He purchased it on Friday. He's ready to go. <laughs> ready to go. He's yeah. ready for that. But you know, I didn't. I didn't. Um, I wasn't sure if he's going to win just due to inactivity. But I do. Mm-hmm. I did believe he's a better fighter. Um, did you see the Pettis fight? Yeah. Yeah. What'd you think? I, I thought it was amazing that. Uh, I mean, obviously he was out of the game for three years. He hasn't fought <laughs> in three years, so you assume there's going to be some rust. Rust, and no. there was a little bit. Like it took him a little bit to kind of warm up. I thought. Yeah. Uh, but he did warm up quicker than I expected. And I did. I He's did always been always been a little bit of a slow starter, slow starter. right? Yeah, right. No, uh, kind of reading. That's what I, yeah, yeah. I kind of always thought. I just felt like he maybe was a little longer than usual. Yeah, probably, probably. Uh, I I always mix up. This is terrible. I always mix up Nate and, and, I do too. and Nick Diaz. I, do <laughs> like too. I, I like to me they're just one person because their fighting <laughs> the styles are like really is... similar, and, and sometimes I can't remember which one is which. What about Pettis's brother? They're no, like no, but he's so other. yeah, but he but the other one's so side. much better. Yeah, yeah. the other one. The but they just look exactly like they have the same tattoos. Like guys, yeah, come yeah, on, what's I know. Going it's on like here? like couldn't like, you do a better job Control on your tattoo? Copy, you know, like you copied each other. It's weird. <laughs> and there's um, like he's a he's a a, 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 um, a candidate for the world's worst tattoo. <laughs> like, there's a chance that that Pettis listens to our podcast. Cause I'm has, sorry, Mister Pettis. He has like your mom. I know. He has liked our Instagram posts every now. Oh, I'm sorry. You you know, it's wonderful that you have your family on your chest, but maybe you should change tattoo. Artists. <laughs> he's from New Jersey, or at least he trains in New Jersey. No, right? no, no. He's uh, Milwaukee. Oh, yeah. He's uh, and um, the Pettis are part of the um, Duke Rufus team, Rick Rufus team, Rufus Sport, and Rufus is one of those old teams that goes way back. And he was originally an American kickboxer, but he's a very, very famous match uh, against a Thai boxer where he ate low kick after low kick and just, just got. Destroyed, so they switched over to Thai boxing. One of the one of the first gyms to go from American kickboxing to Thai boxing, mm-hmm. and uh, have produced a lot of fighters. And they've been in the MMA game for a while. And uh, and yeah, Pettis is the Pettis brothers, and um, 
who was from that camp? I forgot. That was really big way back when. Uh, they had a few guys, and I know um, Tyrone Woodley drops in there. Ben Askren drops in there. They they uh, they're all in that Milwaukee area. Hmm. But um, he had, he had another fighter from that w- or way back when. Um, he'd been in in MMA. Um, but yeah, his most pro- uh, highest profile fights are the the, the Pettis, Pettis brothers. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I I was watching the Embeddeds, and they were following Diaz, and I thought he was looking obviously very good in the uh, the promo stuff. I you know I I usually like to watch the embeddeds. This one I missed every single one of them. Yeah. I was just I was just doing stuff and uh, I missed it. But uh, it's nice to see that he he he's back in the pace. You know it's always that Diaz brothers they they don't punch hard, but he just never stops pitter patter. Yeah, he was unrelentless. Uh, yeah, he was a crazy. And and you know it's funny because I've been on the receiving end of that, and like especially on the on the bottom, like you're in ha- like a couple times is a while ago. I was in half guard, and this was training. There's not a fight, but I was in training, and my my opponent, of course, is my friend. He's not hitting me hard, but they're like he's in your bottom half guard, so I'm underneath him, and he's like bunk. Bunk, bunk. And the first three, you're like, oh, it's just paps. And after the 15th, you're like, wait, wait, this is getting bad. Mm. And then you 20, you're like, whoa, this is really affecting me. And and then you're like, wow, this is bad. And they're not hard. And he's not, you know, this is this is like consistent pace. And and Diaz has some things in striking. I, I, he, the Diaz brothers have that I, I like what to do. There's some things I don't like what to do. But I love that pace, that just nonstop boom, 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 boom. When I was always training in judo, and of course, it's different martial art, but it's the same thing. And I applied it to my striking. My judo instructor used to say, count to three. One, two, three. Make sure you're either continuing your attack on two or three. Don't stop attacking, right? You're, you're, the guy who's leading the dance is always going to win. or Not always, but has a much more chance of winning. So it's like one, two, three, attack. One, two, three, attack. One, two, three. Or one, two, attack. One, two, one, two. Keep the pace. Keep the pace going. Make sure you can. And of course, that takes a lot of cardio. But that you're an athlete, you're mm-hmm. a fighter. You have to you have to make sure that you're you're ready to do that. And I apply that to my striking. And I can tell you, in all my fights, when I successfully applied that formula, I never gave up the initiative. And initiative is a very powerful weapon, whether it's in self defense or MMA or even any combat sport. Regardless, like even even a combat sport with limited limited um, uh, uh, street effectiveness, you know that, that if you if you control the initiative. You'll have a, a, a tremendous advantage. Mm-hmm. That's a universal rule of combat. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, but he was always pushing the pace. The one thing, get off the fence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Get off right, right. And and the one thing I was notice is Pettis's jujitsu really made a lot of mistakes. I was like, mm-hmm. he gave up his back so many times, and um, and uh, and I see this a lot. And I'm very, you know, Hicks and Gracie, very famous jujitsu guy, probably one of the best to ever live. Doesn't like watching MMA anymore. And he's like, I don't like to watch it because I, I just don't feel it's that technical. And he's right and he's wrong because there's some very technical moments in that last – in the Pettis fight. Where, right? But then you also see these like day one beginner mistakes. Like why did you do that? Mm. And um, and and it's like I'm wondering like wh- why did he escape that way? It's one you think you can attribute your way out. And I had a conversation with one of my fighters today and I said don't attribute your way out. Get out technically. That's one. So sometimes when you're a really top athlete, you can use those athletics to overcome someone's technique. And over time, you get it until until you meet that guy who is just like his technique is flaw. It's like there's no there's no there's no gap. You know, I call it being a white belt killer. So you're like, oh, I can athlete out of a white belt. Oh, maybe I can athlete out of a blue belt. I can athlete out of a purple belt. Oh shoot, this guy's a brown belt. What the hell just happened? 
oh, this guy's a really good black belt. What the hell just happened? Now I'm dead. So it's either that or, and I, I want to talk about this a little bit later, like a lot of guys in sports jiu-jitsu are going to turtle. They're giving up their back. But because they don't, like the way it works in sports jiu-jitsu, I know you don't do sports jiu-jitsu, but like if you go past the legs, you pass the guard, you get points. So you cannot let the guy set in, in, in the pass. So what they do is they roll over and they give up their back. And then when the guy tries to take their back, they, they, they just bunch up in a position we call turtle, elbows to knees on there. And then they kind of just like stay there and then they try to recover guard again. The problem with that is you get punched in the face. <laughs> you get punched in the face a lot. There's like yeah. in old days of jiu-jitsu, you should never do that. Never, ever, ever, never roll up and give turtle. And I've heard people coaching other people to do that in tournaments. Now, when, you know, I don't really go to tournaments anymore, but but I see the video of my fighters, and you can see what the other coach is uh, is, is calling out. And and I, I'm G, my, my fighter, he he mostly does the cornering in the in the sports jiu-jitsu tournaments because I have to teach at the academy. But I watch the video, and you hear the the opponents uh, uh, the uh, corner saying, "Go go to turtle." I'm like, "Wow, if this were a fight, you're telling him to do something incredibly wrong," mm-hmm. and um, and it's it's happened like. 50, 60, 60 times. And um, I don't know, 50, 60, but a lot. And and um, it happened with Pettis, and he just kept doing things that were really, really risky. Sometimes it worked, but it exposed him to that punch and punch and punch. And um, I was just disappointed. I, I felt that really, when he went to turtle, it really wore him down. And then when he got up, he was carrying Diaz's weight, and he was more, really got tired, and mm-hmm. he just couldn't get his game on. Disappointing. Yeah, it was. It was. I, I, I didn't say I was rooting for one or the other, but I like to see a really technical match. And they definitely had their moments, and they're great. Both of them are great fighters, but there was some significant mistakes there. And then, and then because of that, I felt Pettis was sluggish standing up. Because you, you escape incorrectly, you have to use a lot of attributes. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not easy. You have to attributes mean, like, you got to put up the, the gas. So then he got up, and he was like, he's more sluggish. And Diaz was like, mm, I'm not tired. Let's keep going. <laughs> banker, 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 banker. Yeah, yeah, and he kept going. And he just would not let Pettis yeah. get his range. And, you know, Diaz is just like, not let him get off the cage, not let him get his range. Pitter-patter, 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 pitter-patter. Why did they, uh, it was yeah. unanimous, right? Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. 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 All right. Um, uh, what, what are the other fights? Did you well, who's see? next? Who, who do you think the Diaz has next? Because he called out Masvidal. Yeah, actually, you know, and that was actually a really cool call out because he's like, he's like, I really respect him. He's, you know, like usually the Diaz brothers are kind of like, you know, like a little bit less polished. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> but, think he said he, if yeah. you, I want to fight the fucking best. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> and yeah, and 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 he said something like, I remember he said he was like, oh, he's like, he's really good. He's the man, and uh, like he said something like very co- complimentary to him, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, and um, um, you know that's uh, that's really cool. What well, doesn't McGregor make more sense, at least financially? Well, you know, I don't even know if McGregor. McGregor is going to have some some problems now. He got in that street fight. Yeah, why, why are you punching an old man? I, I don't why does he do it. anything? He wants attention. I know, somebody's looking at somebody else. For our listeners who don't know that, uh, uh, do you know the story? The, the old man would not. Yeah, so they're at a bar, and I think Conor McGregor's drunk, as, and he's pouring his whiskey that he. You know, hat makes, and the old man refused the whiskey. Like he's treating everybody, right? And nobody's like, "No, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I don't really don't need to drink your whiskey." And the guy's like, and mine was like, "No, you must drink my whiskey." And then he punched him in the face. You punch an old man in the face. You are a disgusting human being. Mm-hmm. And I've always hated Conor McGregor, and uh, I hate him even more now. I just, I like, how could you punch an old dude in the face? And but the funny thing was, the old dude took it. He was like, Is "That all you got?" <laughs> like, oh, old Irish dude. <laughs> so we'll, we'll probably see him fight Masvidal. Before McGregor, given his uh, legal yeah, ramifications, yeah. but let's um let's go back um a little bit on the card. Did you did you get to see the Sadiq uh, Benitez fight? 
Okay, so this this is like really it was like pretty cool. I was like, I turned away to to, to grab some guacamole, and I'm like, oh my god, the fight's over. <laughs> and and it was like the Benitez just clocked this kid Sadiq. This kid Sadiq Yusuf is uh is um he has won. He's like one of those guys up and coming. He has some polishing to do, but he will be up there. He is this kid is is tough. And um, this was his first real test because a lot of times he out-techniques the guy or this or that. This one, he got clocked really bad. And his, after the fight, his eyes all swollen up and all totally messed up. It looks like, you know, somebody took a barbell and hit him with it. Mm. But so he almost went unconscious. But he comes back and goes, Gaganka, and knocks the guy out. I'm like, whoa. This, this kid, I had to see wow. it on the replay because I actually was literally turning to get some guacamole. And I'm like, <laughs> whoa, because I thought, I said, oh, this fight's over. And then, like a few seconds later, he just knocks the guy out, uh-huh. and uh, and one punch, major power, and that was one where it was like it wasn't even technique. Like I said, this night was a night of just sheer brutality, and um, and then the next one, did you see the Enrique Costa Yo Romero fight? Yeah, Jesus Christ! Do you think that was called right? That was a, yes. Some people were saying yes. Mm, I, not sure. Yeah, I, because you know, okay, so that that's it. So Romero. And these guys are just trading. For the guys who didn't see it, they're trading back and forth. And it was just – it reminded me of the old-school Vanderlei Silva pride fights where it was like – or the old-school – not even just Vanderlei Silva. People standing in front of each other just hitting each other all the time. <laughs> and, and definitely there was technique there. There was. There was for sure. But um, – and, and Where? Uh, Costa <laughs> had more technique. Like he had hit some nice moves. I mean because – but uh, – and, and, and let me tell you, Romero's um, sh- slipping and, and bobbing and weaving of the punch – there was a lot of like he he was really evasive. Mm-hmm. Um, he evaded it's those it's kicks not really him, yeah too. right. It's not like it's not like he like I said this in our other podcast a long time ago. What what is up with Romero? It's not like I think he's training that. He's just one of these natural, incredible panther like human beings. Of course, somewhat chemically enhanced, but th- to the extent he's a one percenter who is just an absolute athlete mm-hmm. combat athlete and he just knows not to be he's like I don't want to be in that fist I'm going to move here but his evasive ability was was phenomenal and he had more head strikes but towards the fight he kept hitting it but it was like it was like dishrag head strikes so mm-hmm. he actually had more significant head strikes it was like 57 to 30 something and then Bob Silva had many more body shots so he like it was like 17 to 43 but if you actually towards the end the power of um, of Romero was really waning in those body shots and then the headshots. He was like, he was like, he actually did this. He did a jab and then he does this like weird back fist thing. He does, it's like no power. So I, I don't, I don't think he was scoring too yeah. much. But I was sitting next to someone and they, they felt Romero won. I was like, Costa won. But it was, it was definitely uh, a, a tight fight and, um, and um, it was just, it was just crazy. Back if if they went two more rounds, how do you think would have won? Was was Romero gassing out? Yeah, he was. He he can't. He couldn't have done. I yeah. think he was. He was. He was. He was fading. Yeah. He was fading. But he, um, but he definitely. He in that last round, he was really pushing. So, uh, um, it wasn't like he was done that, that last round. There was they were in it, fighting in it. And mm-hmm. the thing, Costa was tired. Too, he was dropping his heads. But the thing is, this is the problem. He he didn't feel Romero's power. So he was dropping his hands, and and Jill, I was watching with Jilson. Jilson's like, dude, you can't. And his corner said, "Keep your hands up," right? But he's like, Costa's like, I don't feel this guy's power, so I don't care if he hits me. But the thing is, the judges see that too. Yeah. So you know, he could have easily lost the fight, but he's like, oh, you're hitting me, but you're doing nothing, right? Because because you could see that Romero's power was 
was waning. That he's he revs up and then revs down, and he revs up and revs down. He's the opposite of Diaz. He's, Diaz is just consistently boom, boom, boom. But Romero just comes at you like a hurricane, and then he has to have this time to like recover. Mm-hmm. It's very much like a street fight, you know. Like I always said in the last pod, the podcast we talked about him was like like thirteen or fourteen. So it was good, like last year, mm-hmm. you know, he he's like this like. Street Fighter. Like just, and then he's like, and then he has to like re- recharge. He's like a video game or something. You know, the energy life has to re- replenish. And then he comes at you again. Right. But Costa forced him to, to, to play a more like marathon pace. And, and, and I didn't see yeah, it. Yeah, Costa pushed it. Pushed it. Oh, my God. Like consistent. Yeah, yeah. He always was charging him and coming forward and never let him rest. And I think that's the key to defeating Romero as long as you, as long as you have good defense. I, I think Costa had to have his um, hands up a little higher. And I don't think – he kind of reminds me of um, Anthony Smith where it's like I think he'll be kind of this like perennial challenger. But I don't see him at this point being a Romero. guy – yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, Costa. Costa. I don't think he's going to be the guy to take the title. Mm-hmm. But he'll be a serious serious threat, you know, always. Yeah, speaking of that, uh, I mean, is he a threat to Adesanya at all? That's what – you know, it's an interesting fight. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. I think um, – but it's an interesting fight. Who knows? You know, uh, but I, I don't think so. I don't think so, you know. But anything can happen. I feel Adesanya is way too technical. And um, while he doesn't have, like, that crazy knockout power, he – He's he can he can volume you with a significantly more power than than uh, over time than mm-hmm. than say someone like Romero. Yeah, yeah, smart yeah. and very smart fighter, and um, and very evasive. And I think I think if they fought, he Adesanya would find a, a way to out outpoint yeah, him. I think so too. Yeah, just too evasive. Uh, so speaking of somebody that uh, took some hits and took them for granted, we we'll move on to DC. Who uh, oh after the God. fight was over, he said. Uh, Stipe was hitting me, but it didn't hurt, so I didn't take him seriously, and then it was too late. Yeah, I could totally see that. Yeah, um, I really thought Stipe was going to win, and I said, yeah. I said to my my um, to my student, I said, I think it'd be either a decision or a stoppage in the fourth because really? Stipe does not have like crazy like kill knockout power. Right. He has to play like 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 even Nagano, like he was hitting Nagano a lot. I mean, Stipe is one of those one of those matches where he's like one of the guys who has the most strikes in one fight. Yeah, I think they set a record on yeah, this fight actually. A, oh, this fight too, yeah. right? Yeah, but he has one before that too, yeah. where he's hitting a lot. So he's not like for a heavyweight, he doesn't punch that hard. No. I mean, obviously he punches hard, but um, but <laughs> relative, it, yeah. relative, yeah, right. But but um, but he has to hit you a few times. He can't be like my fist on your face. Yeah, and and he's go great down. with combinations. Yeah, like the combination where he knocked him out was which, a great. Which is why in the first round he was so bad. Yeah, like I said, it was going to be a fourth round thing. But in the first round, I'm like, what the hell are you doing? This is not what you want to do. First of all, he wasn't throwing any combinations. Basically, a one-two maybe, uh, and then he was like kind of clunky and letting DC do whatever the hell he wanted. Yeah, and. You know, sometimes coming back from a loss to the guy, you face him again, you go through these mental moments of crap. And you're like, your unconscious body, like, I remember the pain that this person gave me. So he's kind of like, that happened, that's happened well, to me. Like, yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, I remember what this guy did to me the last <laughs> yeah. time. And it's unconscious, totally unconscious. But your body's like, no, let's move on. Let's go well, away. He, let's he let's go back to, let's go back to Popeyes. <laughs> oh, no, that's the wrong fighter. Um, but he was taking a lot of shots. Like, he was jabbing. Yeah. Uh, DC was jabbing him. Like, every now and then, I would just zap yeah. it in. Yeah, yeah. No, the first round, DC just 
crushed it. I got worried. I definitely I got worried. I had At the end of round two, I was like, oh, bet. come on. I had on. a very big bet with one of my students on this one. Oh, yeah. And, um, and, and uh, it's, I, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to lose. And uh, it was not for money. It was, uh, it was a joke bet where um, he, he's, uh, has a, he's shaved head and he's, he's kind of shiny. So I, I tease him that he looks like Megamind, the cartoon character. <laughs> and the bet was he had to wear a T-shirt of the Megamind character for a week. Mm-hmm. And if not, I, if I lost, I had to do yoga with my wife for a week. <laughs> which doesn't sound like punishment, but anyway, I will not say anymore. I'll get in trouble. But uh, <laughs> did she do hot yoga at least? So it's, it's no, really my, uncomfortable. My, uh, no, it's just regular yoga. But yeah. no, she's actually amazing. But uh, but I, I don't. Anyway, <laughs> so your your student has to wear. Yes, the Mega Mind shirt. Pretty, it's pretty cool. I'm you have happy. a Mega Mind shirt. I bought it. <laughs> you bought it. Did you taunt them while the fight's going on? You're, you're a big no, I taunter. Did, I, I did not. Yeah. Not at the first round. No. The first round, I was, yeah, really, no, right. I was like, shit. I was like, damn it. At the beginning of the fourth round, you're like, hmm, man, yeah, you know, I saw it at the third round. He started. He started getting his rhythm, yeah. and and I'm like, oh, this is where he's gonna put it on. And then fourth round was what he should have done. The first round is keep range. And dig to the body, and and dig to the body, dig to the face, and yeah. and throw combinations. And um, the thing with body shots is, um, especially he was hitting him. Um, it was it was on this side, so it was um, right. Yeah, it was a more a kidney shot than a liver shot. Mm. Let me let's see, it's more. Um, yeah, no, I guess I guess it would be a li- it was a liver shot, right? No, it was a liver shot. So um, where he which side he hit him on? But yeah, it was it was more a liver shot. So. Um, you know, liver and kidneys, they, sometimes you hit them, they'll just drop you right away. Mm-hmm. But over time, if you're not quite with the precision, you're like, you know, you're like, oh, that kind of hurt, but it's not the big deal, big deal. And then you're, it stops functioning. You're like, the, the, you just can't function as well. And then you're like, oh, and uh, then it really hits. So mm-hmm. I, I've had some times where you got in a liver shot and you just, that's it, you're done. You're done immediately. But over, sometimes it's like, it's the cumulative approach and it hits you about a minute later and you're like, Oh God! And he's, 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 everything just spasms up, and uh, and then you're, you're you you can't you know it's not that DC isn't isn't a great fighter when when you have that yeah. liver and kidney shot kind of spasm. <laughs> what are you going to do? do? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know it's 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 part of fighting. Yeah, I heard somebody say that uh, whoever told Steve Bay to start hitting the body won that fight. Yeah, and give that guy a steak dinner. Yeah, right. No, exactly. Yeah, uh, and um, but also movement combinations and keeping a distance, mm-hmm. not um, just wake up, wake up. And and Stipe is absolutely. I've always said it. Stipe was the better boxer in the first yeah. round. He didn't show it. And you know what? The thing is, Daniel Cormier really did improve. He improved. He didn't do some of that stupid movement that he does. Mm-hmm. He really actually looks sharper in striking than I've seen him look before. Um, and um, his jab improved a lot. There's a lot of improvement going on there. And he's mm-hmm. you know he always. I always felt that he was lackluster in, in, in striking, in, in regular normative kickboxing is what I'm talking about. In his dirty boxing, he's phenomenal. His like clinch, mm-hmm. you know, kind of dirty boxing is very, very good. But I'm talking like outside boxing. But this this is where he, he looked good. But I always felt Steve was just much better. It was just much better. And But he did the first round, he didn't show it. And the second round, and the third round, Steve woke up, and then, then it was on. Yeah. And that's what that's – even if you look back to last fight, I really felt Stipe was was winning. Thing is, Stipe's got to keep his hands up. That guy, he's like for the heavyweight, you got to keep your hands up. He has no problem taking a lot of. He's like an old school tough guy. Yeah, he took a lot of hits <sighs> and kept going. Took a lot of hits. Wow, it was not not the sustainable yeah. way to fight. What do you think about uh, DC picking him up? 
That was great. That's his. That's his bread and butter. Yeah. And he should have kept him down and just yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, he should have stayed yeah. on the ground. Yeah, and he should have done that more. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember. I remember the first time I saw DC. It was way back before he was in the UFC. It was a uh, Strike Force. Strike Force. One of those other shows. Maybe it was not. I think it was Strike Force. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, he picked up. Um, um, what's his name? Uh, oh God, uh, the War Master, uh, Josh Barnett. Okay. And I've never seen anyone juggle Josh Barnett. <laughs> I mean, it was like he was juggling him, you know? Yeah. And when he hit, he just, boom. And that's what DC does best. I mean, you're talking about a guy who won uh, bronze at the at the World Championships and was in... Uh, uh, just bronze, come on, guy. <laughs> I know, only yeah. bronze. What, what are you going to do? Uh, yeah, what a loser. <laughs> uh, no, Stipe, I, mean, uh, I think he, he cut a lot. Like, he was really thin. Or not thin, but he was... Small. He leaned out. He no, was two thirty. He, he weighed in two thirty. He leaned out a lot. I think he was looking to be faster, but I think it could have been. It's a great point. It could have been that maybe his yeah, what he did diet wise just didn't work for him, and yeah. he had to, to took him to time to start up again. The nutrition can play a huge role in your performance. Huge yeah. role. So that that's a great point. I think uh, DC was actually two sixty five, like right on the button. Jeez, oh, which was probably difficult for him to get to. <laughs> No, he, he, you know, he, he, he was, he's always gotten bigger. Like, you know, he's yeah, not going he back, he's not yeah, going he back to 205. No. <laughs> well, what does he do next? I mean, I don't think he's going to retire. Obviously, since he lost, he's not going to go out. Uh, did uh, you see John Jones? Um, no, no. What did he do? So he was, uh, he did, John Jones did a video of uh, DC <laughs> being interviewed by Joe Rogan at the end. Mm-hmm. And here's somebody in the background going, like, Is he going to cry? And then John Jones says, I think he's going to probably hold it together, but he'll be crying in the car on the way home. <laughs> Oh, that's so bad. Poor DC. <laughs> oh my god, that's so bad. But uh, then some somebody asked uh, Stipe if he uh, would fight John Jones. Do you mean he go down or John Jones go up? I don't think Stipe can go down. He's he's a beast. He's six five. Going down to two hundred five would be well. Difficult. If he won't wait in two thirty, you could probably do it. But yeah, he shouldn't. He should not. No. Yeah. And I think Jones could go up to. Yeah. He was I, talking about going up. You know, last I heard. The last I heard, and I, I, it was a while ago, but that he was he was going to stay at two hundred five for a while. But then, yeah, there was some some scuttlebutt that he mm-hmm. might. I think he up. wants to be a two uh, yeah. has two have two belts, and I don't think him, he's going below light heavyweight. No, no, no. So no. I think he'd have to go up. Though he would he would do very well at one eighty five if he mm-hmm. could if he could manage the weight. I don't see anybody else in the heavyweight division that's a challenge really. No, you know, there's a lot of guys coming up who who are who are pretty serious. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Derek Lewis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Derek Lewis. <laughs> if you can figure there. out his condition, yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, um, but there, there are a few guys there that um, there's. Um, shoot, it's not coming to mind. But there's some. There's some. Uh, of course, Dungano again. He's still in the mix. Yeah. You know. And are uh, we calling? Uh, is it too early to call Stipe the best heavyweight in the UFC of all time to date? He's got the most defenses. Yeah, yeah. No, he's up there for sure. Um, um, he definitely is up there. Mm-hmm. I, I respect him a lot. Um, you know, I was thinking though, this is interesting. I was thinking back to Fedor, but he was not in the UFC. And of course he, he looks terrible now cause he's, he's, you know, way too old. He's still fighting in Bellator. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but, um, you know, if prime Steve Bay fought prime Fedor, I don't, I would actually I, give it to Fedor. I, I would too. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I'm not, I'm not like a huge Fedor fan. I actually think there's a lot of problems with what he did, but, but it's, it's funny because, there has been um and this this card kind of shows it that sometimes there's um there's some really technical guys and um but i think we're at a point in the ufc where 
one fifty five and uh, not one seventy and above is not as technical as it used to be. There's, there's some great guys. Like Adesanya is obviously phenomenal. I'm not talking about – I'm just talking the weight, the weight classes as uh, in mass, you know, like the, the, the bench, mm-hmm. not just the champion. But um, but they're not quite as um, filled with the – you know, just the technicians that they used to be. I remember, you know, you had GSP. You had um, you had uh, um, Anderson Silva. You had, and then, and then you you had other people who were underneath them, like your Rory McDonald when his prime. You had, you had a lot of guys who were very, very skilled all at the same time. And I'm not just talking the champions. You know, you had Bisping, who I, I don't like, but he definitely a very skilled fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, Shogun, you know, there's like a lot of guys in that in that in, in that, that thing. And now we see it. it it's a, it's a it's a cyclical thing. It's sad to see because honestly, I was watching this UFC and I'm like, probably. Lay lay people love this. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> right, right, right. And then, as a, from a technician standpoint, right, I was like, mm, "This is why uh, yeah. our friend Chris Romulo doesn't watch." Right, right, right. <laughs> no, but but then you then you know if you go down to one forty five or one thirty five or the, some of the women's matches or one one twenty five, yeah, like, like watching some of those fighters is just like just unreal. How mm. good they are. But you also see like I, I think it's a nature of two things. One, we're in a cycle of. You know, some it just, it's just you know this happens. Some people retire, some people get cut, and they have to replenish. It's the nature of every sport. You know, you go through times where the the team is on top, and then then it goes down a little bit, and then it comes back or mm-hmm. something like that. But but um, and that's true for every sport. There's a cyclical nature. But the other thing is, I think we are at a point where there's so much, so many fights, and so much saturation. There's more demand for fighters. And there's less time to prepare them to be technical, particularly at the heavyweights, because they're like, look at how much they rushed Nagano. Nagano was like, you know, de, de, you know, stock boy at I don't know some store, and then like a year later, he's like in the UFC. Like it's like crazy. It's not that that quick, but really tremendous. Now, of course, he's a great athlete, stuff like that. But they definitely rushed him, and and he needed more seasoning when he was fighting that title. And obviously, mentally as well as technically, he just needed more seasoning. And you don't have the – you see, just see mistakes. And the same thing, like I said, with the Pettis fight, you're like, wow, this is a lot of mistakes that he shouldn't be making. And, of course, Pettis is very technical. Don't get me wrong. But he made a lot of mistakes. And I think it's like, okay, rush people to fight. Rush people to fight. And you can see this on the amateur level. I, I actually had a, had a discussion with someone who came to my gym. And I'm like, you know, he's like, I want to fight. Really good kid. And, he, you know, good kid. Great kid. And he's like, I want to fight really soon. And I'm like – you can't fight for a while. Mm. And the funny thing is he had a fight scheduled with a promoter here in New York. The promoter knows nothing about him. He's like, how long are you training? Oh, you know, nine months. Boom. Okay, I'll put you in a ring. Because the promoters have no they don't have no they don't have they have no interest in keeping you safe other yeah. than other than that you don't die in the ring. Yeah. You know, after you bring <laughs> that looks bad. Right, right, it looks bad. <laughs> other than that, they're okay. Right. Especially at amateur level when they stop it early, you're generally okay. But you mm. never know. Um but their their goals to entertain people and put butts in the seats, and they don't care about fighters, and they don't care about technique because most people don't care about technique. That's unfortunate. So you see a lot of people coming into MMA who have no business. I'm Facebook friends with this one person, and I will, I will not say name or gender or anything like that. The uh, person visited my academy once and trained, and I showed that person some things. Very nice person. But then I'm Facebook friends, and I see – this person was in an MMA fight. I'm like, what? 
how utterly irresponsible. This person was nowhere near ready and could have been incredibly seriously hurt. Not only was, was there sheer lack of preparation in all elements of fighting, whether it was striking, wrestling, or ground fighting, but it was also just that, that individual, that athlete, was not a high-level high level athlete and not uh, coordinated enough to really stand in the ring and, and defend mm-hmm. the, the, the oneself. Um, and um, whoever that person's coach was is one of the most irresponsible people I've ever seen. And it's from a, from a, like a well-known gym. So I'm like, people are just, and also people have this dream. Like, you know, they come into my academy too and they're like, oh, I want to fight MMA because they, they have these like, they, they have these goals to like brag on Instagram or some bull crap like that. I don't even know. But, you know, they want to have some external, like, yeah, I'm a fighter, you know, some, some kind of validation or something. Um, so they want to get in. Me telling them that you're not ready, like, burst their dream. Mm-hmm. Or they'll just go somewhere else, and then they'll probably get in a fight. And so we're at a point where, whether it's the highest level, or the medium level, or even the amateur level, you see a flood of bodies, and they're not as technical in, in terms of the whole bench as they used to be. That being said, the highest level guys are some of the most technical guys around that have ever lived. You know, and Stipe is, you're right, he has the most title defenses, and he's pinpoint accuracy in his boxing and his takedowns and his, uh, you know, his control, his body control of the immune is fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, Adesanya is just a master. The minute he stepped into the octagon, I'm like, this guy's going to be a champ someday. Whitaker too. Whitaker, is, you know, he fought very great fighter, um, and um, or he's going to fight. I'm sorry. Uh, also, Kevin Gastelum. These, these are these are really good fighters. So, uh, but then you look at the rest of the bench and you're like. Eh, Maybe not 185, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, right? Like, uh, yeah. it's it's not like where you had this lineup. I, even when John Jones, when John Jones first came, it was John Jones, and you had Rashad, and you had um, uh, uh, Wonder the the um, uh, that wrestler dude who had the uh, Wonder Bar, uh, Mr. Wonder Phil Davis. You had this really big bench of guys, and you're mm-hmm. like, whoa! Like, who's he gonna fight next? You can fight this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. And one, I think 145 and 155 are like that. You know, right now, and 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 uh, and some of the 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 one even one thirty five, there's like big, really technical guys. But when you get over one seventy, uh, they, they they have to they have to get more people more technical, and 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 that's why I think the UFC Performance Institute is a really good idea. It gets them they get them moving better, and then in Asia, and and I think another place too, they're developing not just a technical institute but a training institute where they're actually going to train fighters. From countries that like India or where China, the ones in China now, but um, where they're not as good as MMA, so they're going to make them much better. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. You know, fantastic. So it's a it's a more technical product, and One FC does the same thing. I mean, they're the fighters. One FC is not at the same level as the UFC, but all of their fighters, like their benches, are filled with technical guys for that B, you know, AAA league class mm-hmm. they're there they have some very very technical guys and women women too you know but it's again it's not the level of the that we expect from the ufc yeah. it's the triple a level has the internet uh, ruined mma the the uh shareable clips and the sound bites of you want to be the guy on the top and you want to be the conor mcgregor's you want to be the guy on the the news with the one minute clip you punching an old man in a bar so yeah. you're getting attention you know you know what it's um that's a great question because MMA would not exist if it weren't for the modern technology. First, you know, we were trading v- VCRs and and vi- you know uh, videotapes, mm-hmm. and then 
you know, we were looking at, you know, um, streaming, the, you know, streaming videos and things. So the modern technology is fueled both jiu-jitsu and modern MMA, and they can, they're not inseparable. You know, I mean, look, it's UFC Fight Pass. Is, we're watching so many things from that. So all this modern technology is fueled it, but at the same time, the, the shallow um, you know, nature of social media has brought out I think in every part of our culture has brought out something mm-hmm. that is that is um, not positive and is against the kind of martial art values and things mm-hmm. like that. And um, sometimes, you know, the hype really sells. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, it's no different from 100 years ago because 100 years ago you had catches, catch can wrestling or something like that or boxing. And I think fight sports bring out the best of humanity and the worst. And that's just what fight sports do. It's maybe a little bit more in your face now because of the – but the Hackenschmidt gotch, you know, 1918 catches Kenchkin wrestling title, I'm sure there was – and I've I heard it's like a tremendous racial element to this and that. And, and there's elements of it that were where you look at, no, this is not really something that is positive for society. But then you look at how these two amazing athletes fought each other or, you know, the um, the famous one where the – the uh, the Hitler boxer I mean the, the boxer the Hitler support who wasn't a Nazi fought um Joe, was it Joe Lewis or something I forgot you know there's a black boxer right. yeah you know there's all this racial element behind it mm-hmm. and but oh that that guy wasn't uh, a racist it's um what's his name um you know the one I'm talking about I um, know the fight but I can't yeah remember. yeah 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 um um Hans Hans, Hans Gruber I Hans think Gruber. he's dead yeah. now unfortunately the actor oh, um, now he just ruined um, everybody's day. Oh, that's uh, Max Schmeling and right, Max Schmeling. Sounds and, right. Yeah, Max Schmeling and Joe Lewis, right? Wasn't it? Yeah. Should we look it up? Yeah, I think so. But anyway, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah, I'll, I'm pretty I'll sure look. that was it. Was Max Schmeling, and then you know, yeah, right, it's Max Schmeling, right? Yeah. So you know, there was there's a there was a, an element of you know, really ugly racial politics and 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 things like that. But at the same time, these are two fantastic athletes yeah, who Max Schmeling and who defeated Joe Lewis, right? Joe Lewis, yeah. Yeah, 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 right, yeah. This is a famous one. and um, He fought him twice. Yeah, and then, you know, and, um, and Joe Lewis fought him in the Olympics or something and beat him there or something, like, whatever. Um, but So uh, there's always been some sort of uh, yeah. show. Yeah, there's always... It it's a show. Be, it's a show, right, right, right. Um, but what's what's the... what's the, where, where, where do we make the shift back from a show? If it's a cyclical uh, nature of, of going up and down with the... Um, Technical versus right, just you know, the show. This, this was actually this was actually pretty cool because um, I think some fighters like Demetrius Johnson, who that's one reason why he went over to One FC. They've just decided that they're they're going to represent themselves in a better way. GSP was like that. Um, I think Adesanya is like that too. That he's not really he's not really trash talking in a disrespectful way. He's definitely he's you know says things that sometimes can be construed as. A little cocky, but you, you're not a little bit cocky as a fighter. You, you're probably in the wrong business. <laughs> you have to believe in yourself a little too much, right? Um, and and there there are ways to 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 market yourself that, and I, I think the girls do it really well. Very often the girls are like, "Wow, she's such a great fighter. It's an honor fighter. We're gonna have this great war. It's gonna be amazing." You know, it's not it's not like yo, she, you know, da, 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 da. you know, it's 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 a different way to sell the fight. Um, I think, you know, and look, GSP was one of the most popular fighters ever to to grace the octagon. Still is. And he never really 
He never trash talked at all. He's like, well, I think I will do this and then I'll do this and then I will tap him out. <laughs> you know, like, that was my GSP impersonation. That was terrible. pretty good. Oh, thank you, thank you. It sounded more like Brazilian, but I don't know. It's dead terrible, but whatever. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I um, you know, and, and I, I have no answer for this. I don't know, you know. Is there a tipping point? Is there, like, where somebody, like, Conor McGregor actually shoots a guy in the ring? Is that the end of it? Do we go back down from there? Like, what's Thunderdome. The... Chainsaws. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we need Tina Turner. Uh, and then we'll be good to go. Yeah. Let's not have Ike Turner, too. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> uh, terrible joke. That was awful. Yeah. That was an awful joke. Well, All right. It wasn't a pun. It was not. No, but it had to do with violence and, and being bad in the yeah. Um, yeah, no, but, but this is the thing. It's like, um, look at, look at professional wrestling and professional wrestling used to be real for the people who don't know that was actually 100% real. It was a wrestling competition. It was a submission wrestling competition and they went so far into the hype machine that they stopped doing real fights and MMA flirted with this a little bit with elite XC. That was not the UFC, but the Elite XC, they did not have fake fights, but they match made in ways that would protect their golden children. One of them was Kimbo, the other was Gina Carano, right? And Kimbo was being like, you know, marketed as the, you know, the world's best fighter when he was like a C level, D level MMA fighter. I liked his YouTube videos. <laughs> Oh my God! He's, and he, you know, but but he would he, he was the C or D level MMA fighter, and uh, which you could see when he went into Ultimate Fighter, he could he could barely even win the Ultimate Fighter. But um, but um, but uh, you know they were protecting him in ways with matchups that would you know play to his strengths, and and then he fought um, he fought uh, Seth. I forgot his name, Seth um, something, and then got crushed. And then that we had to do with the, that made the company f- fail because so, so they weren't cheating per se, but you know, match making is tricky and every promotion does this. They, every promotion does this, even from the way back when in the UFC, the very first matchmaking the Gracies did, you know, you know, there's a point to be said that they could have made match made a different way, you know, but obviously they, there's always going to be some agenda today. There's matchmaking, but over time, you know, if you're fighting the top guys there all the time, eventually you're gonna fight someone who's gonna beat you or gonna really challenge you. And that's the UFC has stuck to that consistently more than any other fighting promotion. Okay, Conor McGregor got a lot of easy fights through no fault of his own. There was injuries and things like that, but also they protected him in a little beginning because they wanted to give him some time to grow. That's nothing wrong with that. But eventually, you know, he fought Khabib and got smashed. And he mm-hmm. also fought Nate Diaz and got tapped out too. So, you know, like they, there's only go so far when they're pushing you to fight who you need to fight. And the UFC really does that. If you're not going to fight who you need to fight, we will strip you of your title. And they did that to uh, Randomy. You mm-hmm. know, she's like, I won't fight, uh, I think it was Cyborg. They're like, okay, well, you don't get your title then. Good. That's the way it should be. And and mm-hmm. they will put every promotion protects their fighters at some level at some point. Every. And it's even the UFC, every. But over time, you have to like, you have to let them go and fight everyone. And the UFC generally does that. Even in the way back when, like, okay, Hoist Grace was protected because they did the matchmaking this way or this way. Well, but eventually he fought, like, whoever won in that bracket, you know, like, after the first bracket, you, you don't know who's yeah. going to fight. And then he fought a few more times, too. And then eventually he fought Akebono in Japan and this and that and, and whatever. Anyway, but it's like, yeah, matchmaking is a, is a difficult subject. But the thing is, it's been real. And pro wrestling went from you know, being real and, ex- and, 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 and training to embracing so much of the sideshow 
they're like, well, the story will sell more than reality. Mm -hmm. So what we're going to do is forget the reality and only sell the story. And then it's become a joke. And that can happen into so many fighting arts that you either go in one direction, it just becomes a joke. Um, and uh, really hope MMA does not embrace the razzle-dazzle more than technique. And, 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 and it's, you know, um, it's important. But I, I don't, I don't think, I, I think the, the old UFC owners, the Zuffa, were very good about selling the product of MMA like basketball. It's an experience, a fight experience. You're not following just one fighter. You're following this experience. And it's going to come once a week or whatever, and it's going to be this sport that is just part of your life, and this is the sport. And we want people to know the techniques, know this and that. And that's why I think the Gracie breakdowns were there. Before the Gracie breakdowns, the UFC used to have these instructional things, like this is how triangle works, this is this, this is this, to educate the fans. And um, I still think even the modern owners who are a little bit more oriented towards money to make back their investment, but they still see it as an investment in the experience. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why the move to ESPN was very good, where it's like we've developed this very strong fan base, less casual fans, it's more expensive, still more educated fans, so that we don't have to pander as much. We just sell our experience. And and I, I, I think that's a good thing. So I think the UFC is pretty sound. It's just, it's just um, I don't think we're ever going to like go in the deep end of, of, of drama. It'll always be drama because it's a fight. It has to be show. Mm -hmm. But let's, it seems like they're still moving in the right direction. You know, mm -hmm. one is moving in a great direction where they're like, we will not really, we don't want you to trash talk. We want you to act like martial artists. We want you to act like really cool, respectable fighters and we'll take it from there. And, and I think that's why one is so popular in Asia because actually a lot of Japanese uh don't really respond to the like arrogant trash talking that like kind of motivates a casual American fan. Mm -hmm. It's just a cultural thing. It's like respect is much more part of that culture, and it's definitely part of the martial art culture. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, One FC is extraordinarily popular in in a lot of the Asian markets because it's more respectful, you know, testing of skill. Yeah, and, and maybe that yeah. uh, the the wariness of the American audience will leave a gap yeah. for One FC to to kind of move over to the the West. Yeah, no, they're definitely um, they're definitely growing. Yeah, and hopefully uh, the UFC will uh, kind of not pander to the greatest, the lowest common denominator, yeah. and actually pay attention to their core fan yeah, base. Yeah, and yeah. you know, people that watch Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor is going to be gone eventually, mm -hmm. and you're going to be left with people that want to see technical fights, but they're not there if you replace them with people that right. are used to be WWE and, stars. And you know, this is what I always say: as I don't think, and probably our listeners, if you know, what, why do you, why do you interested in MMA? Well, some guys are martial artists, right? I don't think a lot of people turn into MMA for violence. Because you just go on World Star Hip Hop. What yeah. <laughs> I think we turn into is sports drama. Right. And you can have a tremendous amount of drama without disrespect. Like yeah. like this steep A uh, um, uh, uh, fight, or actually I should say the, the Costa um, Romero fight, that was pretty dramatic. Mm -hmm. I mean it was it was it was definitely br brutal. But and there was some good technique on both sides. That I wouldn't say that, but it was definitely a night of tremendous brutality. Yeah. And there was a drama. You're like, oh my god, who is, who is this? <laughs> you know, and but that can happen even with jujitsu match. Can happen. It can be very, very dramatic and very, very edge of their seat, exciting, mm -hmm. without, um, without uh, you know the the McGregor antics. Yes, yeah. I mean yeah. they're they're yeah. very friendly towards yeah. each other. Or the Colby Covington antics or whatever. Oh, god, that yeah. Guy. yeah, I know, right? Did you see him in the stands at I the did. fight. I did. That was terrible. Dick. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're never gonna be on our show. But we never want you on our show. Uh, no, thank you. No, thank you. Um, oh, hey, gosh. so um, 
So uh, we got some more listener questions, and I thought we would uh, do that. And then actually, it kind of like segues into a com- couple things I want to talk about. But um, I th- we had some some questions. So Matt, uh, uh, could you do a, a little bit of uh, of a, a roulette here and see which yeah. question you'd like to choose? Some good ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Why why is karate not commonly used in MMA? Fantastic question. And uh, okay, so some of you guys know that I started out in 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 uh, karate when I was a kid. Um, I studied under uh, Miyazaki Toyotaro as well as, as well as other people in in Japan. I trained some karate in Japan as well, right? Um, and uh, been, did started karate in nineteen seventy five. So I have a karate background, and um, I also can talk. I don't want to just talk about karate, but let's say let's say some of the more traditional martial arts, and. There's there's arguments like we have an episode was why remember the episode we talked about at Press Can why certain martial arts just don't work and that is a different subject let's say let's take the techniques that absolutely work from karate 100 percent there's some techniques that actually don't work because they are not designed for hand to hand their design is weapon versus weapon and they're because these are fighting systems like. Some of these techniques make a lot more sense when you're like, oh, this is a sword technique. It's just we're doing it unarmed right now, but this is actually a sword movement. Mm-hmm. Or there's a defense to a sword where you do this, right? So they make no sense unarmed. But let's take that away. Let's take that all away. Like a lot of kung fu falls into that uh, aspect. If you guys are interested, I think it's like episode what, – what was it? Um, it was like episode – like one of the early ones. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. back in when yeah, we yeah, recorded yeah. it. You can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, the, I, you know, like there's a lot of – uh, techniques that are designed for the situation of the battlefield or something like that. But let's say the karate techniques that absolutely 100% are functional in self-defense, that 100% are functional in MMA, um, why don't you see it or why do you see it? And it's not that you don't see it because there's some karate guys. There's Thompson. There's one uh, um, uh, that doesn't he doesn't get a lot of press, but is John McDessey. He's actually originally a karate guy. Pettis, who uh, just fought, is actually from a traditional Taekwondo background originally. Obviously, he trains in Muay Thai. But I was having this discussion with one of my students who's also a karate guy. And this is, this is the, the issue. And Lawrence Kenshin just posted this very much. Lawrence Kenshin is a Muay Thai scholar, and he does a lot of Muay Thai um, uh, uh, breakdowns of fights. This is why this. And um, there are some incredibly skilled traditional martial art fighters, right, who are in the ring today. Many, many skilled, right? Um, and there are many who are not. So what's the difference now? But then you look at the average Muay Thai trained fighter and the average karate trained fighter. And the average Muay Thai fa- trained fighter is more prepared for combat. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a hard pill for a lot of karate guys to swallow. It was a hard pill. And that's, I- I'm saying that I've met a lot of karate guys who are really good. But the average Muay Thai guy versus the average karate guy, the Muay Thai guy is more prepared. And it's not the techniques they're using. It's the training methods. The way Thai boxers and boxers train, the way they teach, the way the teachers teach and the way the teachers train their students is more efficient. That is a fact. Hmm. So I'll give you an example of training with a lot of Japanese instructors. Do this. Shut up and do it a thousand times, and then I'll talk to you. <laughs> and there's no like, hey, okay, here, this reaction time drill. This is why I do this because of this. And this. Sounds and like explain. Kill Bill. Right. No, 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 exactly. It's like, it's like that, that Asian stereotype of like, okay, sit in the, you know, on the, on the bamboo post and do your horse dance for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, like that ancient, you know, kung fu movie thing. Punch this wall. Yeah, punch times. this wall a thousand <laughs> times. Right. And there is a place for that. There is a place. But 
Japanese teachers are very extraordinarily bad at the Socratic learning method. Okay, meaning, hey, this is why you do this. This is why you do that. This is why you do that. Now, that being said, Thai boxers are not exactly, Thai boxing trainers, anybody with the Thailand, you know, Thai boxing trainers are not exactly the most loquacious fighters. <laughs> but what they do is when you're training with a Thai boxer or a boxing guy, they have a conversation with you through movement. Mm. So it's like pop, 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 pop. I'm moving these pads and you're moving with me. So we're simulating what's the movement and the reaction and there's energy drills and um, there's, um, the, you know, the Conor McGregor's group, SBG. Conor McGregor belongs to this, this group, um, SBG, um, Straight Blast Gym and his is Straight Blast Gym Ireland or whatever but the founder of Straight Blast Gym is based in Seattle and he's a very, 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 um, has a lot of videos on this where he talks about like why some martial arts suck and let's put the bad techniques aside because, of course, there's some techniques that are just ridiculously awful and you can find them anywhere. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the techniques that work. Why is this fighter not able to apply this work? Because anytime you fight, you're not, you know, the, the old Miyagi thing, the board don't fight back, you know? <laughs> like you're not hitting a board. You're hitting a moving target who's legitimately trying not to get hit and trying to hit you back. So there's a lot of, like for lack of a better word, a lot of energy exchange. Like where you're here, it's, it's, you have to understand the technique in the dynamic moment, in the dynamic moment. And a lot of Japanese karate instructors are not really that good at teaching that. So who figures that out? The top athletes who don't need to be taught. They're just good, really good. They pick up fast. They're natural combat athletes like Yo Romero. Mm-hmm. Yo Romero is a natural combat athlete. No matter where he went, he would be good. Just genetics. It's good. He's just, and also some wrestling too, foundation. But he has this natural understanding of the ins and outs of like kicking the shit out of someone. <laughs> That's just some people have that. You know, yeah. my, 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 when I was growing up, my cousin, um, when I was like young and I, already, I was like seven, I'd been to karate for a couple of years. My cousin never trained anything, but he grew up hard. He grew up in, in, in the South Bronx. Man, he could handle himself better than me. Right. And as I actually, I trained karate. I was like seven years old. I, you know, and let me tell you, I was training five to seven, but I was not a kiddie class like the karate. Like I was training with adults and it was like, it was real training, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but the way they train does not prepare you for the chaos of the moment. And um, the way they train is just not as, as efficient to develop fighting skill. It is. It's putting the technique aside. It's how you teach and how you train. Mm-hmm. And Elio Gracie said this. He's like, my art is not just a technique. It's the way I teach. And that is true because I see the same thing in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu today. Where like, uh, that, that is not what I remember. You guys are not doing this right. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of sloppiness and there's a lot of this. And so... Um, you see karate techniques working in MMA, but you don't see it as much as Muay Thai because most karate guys, and I'm not talking about like your McDojo guys. I'm talking real karate guys who are really interested in finding, they're still not understanding the best ways to teach the technique. And let me tell you, the best ways to teach striking are used by boxing and Muay Thai. You know why? Because money's on the line. Money is on the line. Mm-hmm. And this is why, look at all the people who went from the traditional arts into and had success in kickboxing. Bill Superfoot Wallace, Jenny the Be- Benny the Jet Urquidez, um, uh, Chuck Norris. Um, Steven uh, Seagal. I'm just kidding. Sorry. Just trying to make a mad 
Yes. That's trolling. You're trolling me, Matt. <laughs> but all these guys right. train like kickboxers, which means they train like boxers, right? Pads, mm. movement, where, you know, drills, live aliveness, aliveness, meaning you're not punching a bag and the bag does nothing. Although that, that's power training, that's important. But the movement, the, the moving in this dynamic energy system between you and your opponent. What does your opponent do? What do I do? What do I do here? What do I do here? What do I do here? Pop, 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 pop. This is what can come at you. Boom, boom, boom. That's what makes you better. And every boxer has understood this since the turn, like 1905. But if you go to any karate school, and most of the time, they don't, like they have these kind of one-punch drills that are static and this and that. It's not chaotic. Mm. It's not chaotic. The, the training methods, the teaching methods are not as good yeah. for combat. So it's, it's not the, the art itself. It's maybe it's just the, the way it's taught. Yes, but Matt, that's true. But Matt, the art and the way the art is taught are sometimes the same. Right. You can't separate You can't the separate the two. And you know what else you can't separate? The training equipment. Mm-hmm. So the art, the equipment you use with the art, and like try to do judo without a gi. Suddenly it's not judo anymore. Mm-hmm. It's something different. It looks more like Greco-Roman wrestling. <laughs> can't like, throw somebody with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard because the, 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 the gear you use... Boxing without boxing gloves is now different. Right. The gear you use, the way you teach it, and what you do technically all are this this kind of like synergistic interplay. Mm-hmm. I'm, that's not my thought. That You know who said that? Dan Inosanto, Bruce Lee's uh, number one pupil. He's like, the gear you use is and is, is, is integral to where, mm-hmm. how you're going to do Tools of the trade. Tools of the trade, right. You know, the way you... Block with boxing gloves is not the way you're going to block with MMA gloves. Mm-hmm. You can see that with Stipe. He was getting hurt. He was trying to do this like little like boxing thing and a little bit and like, oh, no, you're getting hurt. Hit. Yeah. <laughs> um, Interesting. Uh, but uh, so that's, that's, uh, that's how I say that. And um, Episode five, by the way. Go back and listen to episode five. Yeah, with yeah. Uh, We did a shout Ken. out to a few, a few episodes. Yeah, the one with uh, five, with Professor Ken. The one we were talking to you know, Romero was like episode like 13 or something, right? I got that right. Yeah. Yeah. It was a while ago. Yeah, don't worry about that. We'll uh, 12, out. episode 12, 12. 12. I was close. <laughs> <laughs> so we got time for one more question, if, yeah. you, if we can make it quick. Sure. Uh, I'll try to pick one I that doesn't I don't think sound I can make too complicated. Uh, the why is Bruce Lee considered such a great fighter, even though he had no professional fights? Um, now, here's a question. Mm-hmm. Is he considered a great fighter? I think he's considered yeah. a great martial artist. Right. Okay. Exactly. Did I spoil your answer? No, no, no. Matt, you are so freaking smart sometimes. You know, like everybody everybody says, oh, Matt's like the entertainment part of this movie. No, guys, Matt, that was a perfect, hmm. perfect answer. He wrote that down and passed it over to me. To I say. did not. I did not. No. You got to define your terms. Hmm. So every, first of all, there's a whole lot of Bruce Lee nut huggers. <laughs> right? Okay. So, you know, like, like their life is, and this is what we talked about in the, the couple episodes ago where like, okay, your, your an association to your guru is so important to you that there's nothing more important. Like you, you have to hero worship your guru. Like, oh, it's the next coming of Jesus. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's that. Right? And Bruce Lee has that. So does, you know, every Gracie and so does like, you know, Bill, you know, uh, Benny Jed. And, you know, sometimes you just have these nut huggers that just whatever. They have no, they have no real life and they have no achievement in their life. So they just, they just, they just, their definition is like, I'm a Bruce Lee fan for whatever reason. Okay, let's put that aside. So, but was Bruce Lee a very dedicated martial artist? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. No question. Was Bruce Lee a forward thinker who was already seeing that cross training was essential? No question. Did Bruce Lee have some theories about fighting that were 
I'd say revolutionary, but cutting edge for his time. Yeah. Could Bruce Lee really fight? I never saw Bruce Lee fight. But I've seen Bruce Lee, a lot of Bruce Lee kicking the bag. And I've seen eyewitness accounts. We talked about it in that episode where it's Showdown in Oakland. There's a book, Showdown in Oakland, where he fights that one challenge match against another kung fu guy. And basically, by Bruce Lee's own account, not anyone else's, he did not perform uh, well in that fight. And his 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 techniques did not perform well, which is why he, he kind of like became a, a forward thinker because he was like, yeah, I kind of suck, mm. right? This is not how it's supposed to work. And that is absolutely true. Now, after that, did he refine and test himself? I don't know. But when I see him kicking his bag in the Bruce Lee days, it was okay. It wasn't bad. It was pretty good. You know, if he went into a Thailand and fought Muay Thai right then in the 60s, it would be a it would be it would be a tough tough day for him. Mm-hmm. He was not um, the elite level guys of that era were really freaking great in, in striking. I would say Muay Thai. If he went into the the Asian you know what they used to call Oriental rules, which is like kickboxing with low kicks in, in Japan, like they did all these different. He went into the elite level in the sixties and seventies. It would be it would be a tough day for him. I'm not saying he's not a not a great martial artist, good martial artist. There's, you can define martial arts in a lot of ways. But okay, some people define fighter different ways. Is a fighter a guy who gets into street fights? Because there's supposedly Bruce Lee had some street fights. Mm-hmm. You know, if we define fighter as a person who gets into a street fight once in a while, that's like what, like 80% of the male population? <laughs> you know, well, hey, I'm I got, a fighter over Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. Like, okay, I, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, I got into a fight when I was six years old in the, in the, in the lunchroom with, you know, Billy, who stole my, you know, peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Hey, so I'm, I'm three and oh in the cafeteria. Yeah, exactly. I'm three and oh in the cafeteria, in the octagon of, yeah. of, of, of PS 97. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, you know, like, that's the, how are we defining fighter? Right. Okay. Are you defining fighter as a person who engaged at some point in a street fight in his life? That seems ridiculous to me. If that's your if that's your definition, then yes, then everybody in the world is probably at some level a fighter, you know. Or you could define a fighter in the more nebulous terms, like Brene Brown or some of these liberal theorists. Like I'm a fighter against racism. I'm a fighter. No, that's great. No, that's you could be a fighter. You know, yeah. Martin Luther King's a fighter. Okay, great. Okay, okay. Well, how are we going to define this term? We could define it anyway. Mm-hmm. If you are not in the ring fighting, to me, you're not a professional or amateur fighter. Okay, if you're training martial arts seriously. You are a dedicated martial artist. Great. If you're a street fighter and you've had a number of, you could say you're a street fighter. So I define those terms differently. Um, Was Bruce Lee a ring fighter? No, he has never gone in the ring. If he did, at that time, the best ring fighters would have eaten him alive. And that is a fact. That doesn't mean he's not good. (laughs) <laughs> that doesn't mean if I went into the I'm, I, I am a martial artist if I went in and fought Demetrius Johnson today I would get annihilated mm-hmm. or or God I didn't want to say Conor McGregor <laughs> I didn't want to say that that's just it's awful but, but if I fought Khabib Nurmagomedov if I fought him right now I would get molested mm-hmm. that doesn't negate my martial art training am I a fighter no I was in the ring, at one point in my life, I was a fighter. I stepped in the ring in a pro-am circuit and, and was a fighter, right? Um, I am no longer. I am a retired fighter. And I am a martial artist now. Um, so saying Bruce Lee was a fighter is not true if you define a fighter that way. It depends how you define your terms. Was Bruce Lee 
a revolutionary thinker? Yes. Did he have a lot of flaws in what he was doing? Because of where he came from, he had a lot of flaws. His, his kung fu, by his own admission, was flawed. And he was trying, seeking through cross-training to overcome that. And he withdrew from a lot of boxing, a lot of savat. Um, and people say that if it was the modern world, he would be you know, um, doing MMA. And I probably think he would. And you know, he was the first striker that I'm aware of who openly, openly, I mean out openly, mixed striking with grappling. And you could see that in Enter the Dragon, the first scene, he's in that fight, and he, he you know, does striking, and he takes the guy down and does some, some stuff on the ground. And that's great. And nobody did that before, you know, like mixing up high-level grappling and high-level striking, you know, uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a context. And you never saw it again. Like, you know, you don't see, like, guys doing, you know, uh, you didn't see guys doing, like, integrated, in, in, intricate ground fighting in movies or any, anything uh, for a while. And people really looked down on ground fighting. Bruce Lee never did. He, he was trained by judo, Gene LaBelle. And he had a lot of respect for grappling. He had to earn it because the story, the story goes, you know, um, Judo Lee Jean, Jean LaBelle picked him up and, and kind of like made him understand the grappling. <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, the new Tarantino movie makes Bruce Lee look really bad. I heard that they weren't happy about it. I yeah, yeah. That. So that makes him look arrogant. And um, while it's, it's not historically accurate in terms of time, he loses in, and I want to spoil it. I haven't seen it yet, but, but he loses a street fight against the main characters, I think Brad Pitt or something, right? But that is like based on, it's a stuntman. It's based on the story of Juno Jean LaBelle, who doesn't really say he beat him, but they're on the set of Green Lantern and, um, and they had this kind of like exchange of technique and Judo picked him up in a katagrum, which is a fireman's carry, and held him up on his head. And, you know, of course, Jean LaBelle is like twice the size of Bruce Lee, <laughs> but he's also, he put him in a fireman's carry right. and picked him up and said, I'm going to put you down if you say you're not going to hit me. And I will not put you down. <laughs> Bruce Lee's like, put me the fuck down. And he got really pissed. He got really, this is a true story. He got yeah. really, really pissed. And he's like, put me the fuck down. And because he's like making him look bad, as well as, you know, like his technique was obviously flawed. And from that day on, though, Bruce Lee was a smart guy. He's like, can you teach me judo? And your style of judo, which was like a com- combination of catch wrestling and judo, you know, and uh, Julie Jean LaBelle's a, a great master and had nothing but great things to say about Bruce Lee. But, you know, he, um, that is the, what that, it, that, it, that thing in that Tarantino movie is based off of uh, loosely the, the, the Jean LaBelle mm-hmm. in, encounter, I, I believe, because obviously he's a stuntman and he loses, but they take it into another direction and, and it's historically completely, completely inaccurate. Mm-hmm. And also they make G- Bruce Lee look really arrogant and like an asshole, which I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, uh, he had his cocky side for sure, but, um, but uh, in, in that interaction between him and Gene LaBelle, Gene LaBelle has never said that Bruce Lee was an asshole or mm. cocky to him. It's just they had an exchange of technique. And he got pissed because, because Gene LaBelle wouldn't let him down. Well, I'd be pissed you know? too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Somebody put picks me, you up and they, put me down. He's like, he's like, yeah, I'll put you down if you say you're not going to hit me. And then he had to agree. And he's like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and then, but, you know, there's a lot of these like, okay, can you teach me? And, and he became uh, uh, Gene LaBelle's student. So... Um, Depends how we define terms. And yeah. I think the use of terms, and I'll tell you something. This is a guy I knew. And he's like, I met him. This is, this is going back 20 years. This is 20 years ago. I met him. And the first thing he says to me, he's like, you know, he's a kung fu, kung fu guy. And he's like, yeah, I'm a fighter. You know, I'm a fighter like you, Renee. I'm a fighter. I'm like, I'm not a fighter. I have not fought in the ring. I'm not a fighter. And he's like, I'm a fighter, man. I'm like, like when, do, you, do, do you fight in the <laughs> ring? He's like, no, I'm just a fighter. I'm like fighter spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fighter, <laughs> fighter spirit. Well, you know, I'm like, well, how are we defining terms? And also, like, he's like one of the worst 
combat athletes I have ever met in my life. Like I, his need to say he was a fighter was again from that feeling the insecurity and and in ex, internal lack of self esteem. Mm-hmm. So his like outward, exp, you know, his outward, uh, per, you know, um, uh, persona was. Uh, you know, kind of a dick. Mm. And um, and the funny thing was it was an MA guy. It wasn't an MA guy. It was not. It was a traditional Kung Fu guy. You know, so, uh, and I, I've seen that in Aikido too. It's regular traditional Kung Fu guys. That, yeah, we're fighters. I'm like, you're martial artists. You're not ring fighters. Or or you could say you're a street fighter. When's the last time you got in a street fight? Mm-hmm. You know? Right and, now. Yeah, yeah, right, right. You know, like, <laughs> you, you know, those guys, just, they're not even doing street fighting. Yeah. You know? When the minute you're in a street fight, you realize you never want to do another street fight unless so the, you're a psychopath. The answer to this question is, D, we need, we need more information. You got to define your terms. Yeah, you got to define your Let terms. Let us know. What, what kind of fight are you talking about? Hmm. Ring, fill, fill street, in the blanks. martial artists. That's it. Let One us of know. those three. We'll answer the question there. Hmm. Well, we've reached the end of our time. Thanks for taking this journey with us through UFC 241 and beyond. And uh, we got some good stuff coming up. A lot of cool things happening in the world of uh, yes. martial when's arts. The, when's the, we got about a month to the uh, Poirier-Khabib fight, right? Uh, like, when's the next one? When is it? I don't know. Hold on, hold on. I'm going to advance. Here we go. Um, okay, yeah, okay. We have Andrade versus Zhang, uh, the, the female fight. Jessica, it's like Jessica Andrade versus uh, the, the Chinese fighter. That's coming up August 31st. That's a, that's a pretty good one. And then September 7th. September 7th. So we're a few weeks away from uh, Khabib versus uh, um, Poirier. Well, I, I really don't see Poirier. Yeah. No way. Yeah, we're, 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 we're three weeks, three, two and a half weeks away. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't wait. So there's, there's the Andrade Dong, which Andrade is going to probably destroy her. Mm-hmm. But uh, that, that, they're like kind of two versions of each other, two, two Sherman tanks just going at it. Uh, or a Panzer and a Sherman tank fighting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very interesting, interesting fight. Um, but yeah, I cannot wait. Who do you got? Khabib or Poirier? Khabib. Of course. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. We can't make bets anymore because we always agree. Not always. Not always. No. Yeah. But we did agree on Stipe. We did. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. Please uh, share and subscribe and rate and tell your friends. Yes. Wonderful. And we have some big things coming up for our podcast soon, which we will uh, not at liberty to say. But uh, we will say in the next probably month or so, right? And uh, and uh, the podcast is getting bigger and bigger. And thank you to all our listeners out there. We know we've been growing tremendously. Really appreciate your support and wonderful uh, to have you guys on board with us. Yeah. If you have any more questions, please send them in. Yes. We love questions. Coach Dreyfus at gmail.com. Or just go to RadicalMMANYC.com and you can just contact me through there. Beautiful. Or Facebook, Martial Culture Podcast Facebook page or Instagram. What's our Instagram? Martial mm-hmm. Culture cast I think. cast Marshall Coast cast yeah. yeah that's you cool we'll see you next time next time thanks for listening follow us on twitter at marshall underscore culture and on instagram at marshall culture cast please leave a review on itunes and we'll see you next time on the marshall culture podcast